Sir Ian McKellen launches a program called Pride in Aging to help LGBTI elders. This is the Focus Group Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, an off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Welcome to TFG Unbutton. John Nash here in New York with my good friend and co-host Tim Bennett in New York. Uh, sorry, I'm in New York. You're in Philadelphia, Tim. <laughs> we want to thank Critics' Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987, for being with us here on TFG Unbutton. Visit Critics' Choice Video by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Critics' Choice Video logo. Uh, while you're at focusgroupradio.com, you can learn all about me, Tim, our show, and our Wednesday broadcast, which is 1 to 2 p.m. live on most weeks from YouTube and, uh, of course, Facebook Live. So welcome to the new week, Tim. Thank you, John. It's uh, it, we're, we're deep. We're knee-deep in pride. Happy pride, the uh, pride leprechaun. Happy pride. I was uh, over the weekend, Philadelphia, I believe Philadelphia, D.C., a few other cities had their pride and. Obviously, they're also, this year more than any, trying to separate it from all the big doings that are going to happen in your town with uh, the, the conversion or the, is it the conversion? The convergence. No, it's, it's the, three, the convergence. Convergence. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking, I'm looking at conversion therapy, convergence of, uh, of all the different pride events. But I was shocked because they showed some of it on TV and uh, I could not get over how well attended. It was also gorgeous weather back east. But um, I couldn't believe how many people were at the parade and the amount of people that were at the festivals and things here in Philly. I think it's great. I got a, a text message from someone who was attending L.A. Pride, and uh, it just said, Happy L.A. Pride, Happy Sunday, because I guess L.A. had their pride as well. And just, for, I don't know what made me do this. I went online and I searched for vi- L.A. Pride vintage photos. And I came. I found a treasure trove of photos from 1987. I, I guess they were taken by a variety of people. You know, if you were to just take some of those pictures and pull them, like just post them, some people might assume that they were taken yesterday because it was a lot of shirtless guys wearing shorty shorts. There, there were little fashion tip-offs that let you know you're not quite looking at something from 2019. Like there was a picture of two guys uh really ripped beautiful bodies and they're walking a dog and their dog is kind of pulling them and they're holding hands and they're rolling roll they're wearing rollerblades so the minute you look at the rollerblades you're like oh okay this is not 2019 but it was interesting it was just interesting to look at pride's past right did you have a set of rollerblades? Nope, nope, nope. I was someone who was staunchly opposed to that movement. As a cyclist, used to, I used to ride in Central Park. Rollerbladers were like the most dangerous things on two, four wheels, technically, right? Or six or eight, depending on how many wheels each blade had. But Yeah, I, well, I, I lived in Minneapolis where they were invented, I guess, was, was part of the issue there. But I had a set in the early 90s. And I, I went, when I think about it now, and I didn't really, I didn't wear a helmet or pads, and I would go everywhere. I was jumping railroad tracks in the streets. I'd be right in traffic. Even when I moved to Philadelphia, I'd be in heavy traffic in my rollerblades thinking I'm just moving along stupidly, of course, now that I think about it. But I was young and movable then, I guess. Well, also, you know, as as a as a, guy, a British guy said to me on one of my cycling trips, 
um, which involved lots of going down crazy curvy hills, he said, when you're younger, you don't quite have the ima- imagination you do when you're older. And what he was referring to was, <laughs> as you're going down a hill, as you're, you're imagining all the ways you can crack up and crash, I guess, which is, some right. would say a pessimistic point of view. Others would say, hmm, that's kind of like a getting older thing and protecting your body thing. But I think when we're younger, we just don't think about it, right? Yeah. Jeez. You know, we were, we've been catching up on, um, from a pride point of view or from just a history point of view, we're, we're finishing up season one of Pose, which I began uh, several months ago and just stopped watching it because I was it affected me a great deal. And now that, you know, and Bob caught up to where I was and now we're finishing, uh, watching it. I think it's really well done. I love the show. I, I, but there are moments that I just, when the, the show ends, it lingers with me for quite a while because of course it takes place. If you're, if you're not familiar with pose, it takes place in the early eighties during the, uh, the height of the HIV AIDS crisis. And, you know, there's constant references to to people, friends that have been lost, friends that are dying. Do I have the infection? Do I get tested? So it brings back a really kind of uh, um, tough set of memories for me from that period. And I, I'm hoping that those who watch it appreciate what's happening there. Do you know what I mean? I love that there's a lack of technology, too. <laughs> I, I, totally, I, yeah. Because, which I love about it, because people are connected and people talk and people are engaged in community. And I love that part about it. And this, the new season that's coming up apparently is, revolves around Madonna and Vogue because a lot of it is these, these different houses um, where Voguing actually came from. And uh, so that's going to be part of the storyline, too. So I'm looking forward to season two. I'm glad you caught up. Yeah, yeah. It's um, well worth it. And as I and I was not mistaken, my emotional connection to the show was was what I thought it was because I started watching on a plane. You know, we did this thing, I don't know how many weeks ago, we talked about how you can't trust yourself when you watch stuff on planes because you're dehydrated and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you're going to cry. going to cry. But it turns out that it was real and I was really being affected by this. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna- you cried, you cried, you cried. Star Wars on the plane, John. <laughs> I cried when Spock died in, in Wrath of Khan. For God's sake, you did not. Until a friend said, "Oh, did don't you? worry, they'll bring him back." I'm like, <laughs> "Did you?" Oh really yeah, cry? I was really upset. I was shattered. Oh, John, I was like, How did Spock die? And then oh, and they're like, "Oh, thing. don't worry, he's going to come back." <laughs> you poor thing. Really, it really was. Oh. All right, so first up on our our slate of sh- of news items today, um, some may have heard. If you haven't, uh, it's another Trump administration uh, slap at the LGBTQ community, and basically the State Department has issued guidance or not, and they they they've been rejecting requests from embassies around the world to fly the pride flag outside of the different mission buildings during the month of June. Some diplomats are either ignoring the ban or finding creative ways to get around the policy. This this was not the case in the past, and I believe in 2011, Obama, um, you know, gave a blanket statement or a blanket regulation that the embassies could do what they wanted to, depending on the country they're in and how their ambassadors felt. But here, this time around, it was very clearly stated that that flag should not be flying anytime on June. Um, and as, as I said, some embassy staff have creatively figured out ways of getting around that. And, and I think they call it like an insurrection, right? <laughs> a category one insurrection. Yeah, some, right. And some are ju- right. Some are just ignoring it. What I was surprised about, I guess I should have known this. They said secretary of state Pompeo. I, I didn't realize he was an evangelical. Yes. 
and he believes that marriage should be between just a, a man and a woman. So obviously, if he's in charge of the State Department, you can see where all this is going. Um, but I agree with you. I think they a lot of the uh, a lot of people did not want to come forward or use their names, but people are just defying the ban and doing what they want essentially, or they're getting creative in the way they hang the flag, or they're doing other things like putting things on their websites. The the one thing in here though I was shocked about, and I don't know if you caught it, it was toward the end of the article. It said Trump became the very first or became the first Republican president to make a statement celebrating Pride Month. I I would have thought Bush did that. I guess not. No, no. And in fact, his statement was something he said on Twitter. And when, the minute he sent that out, organizations like the American Family Association, all these you know far right religious groups, really hammered him for it. He was getting hammered anyway from the LGBTQ community, but he also got it from the <laughs> from the right wing, saying, "How dare you promote this agenda?" And yeah, I, that that was at the very end because the article had this interesting. It was you could found it from the um, the South China Morning Post was the the link that you had, and at the end it said some acknowledge that their worst fears have not been borne out. So you know we have the State Department saying don't do this, but and the first one was that Trump was the first Republican president to make a statement celebrating Pride, and then they have a couple other things that are going on that that people were afraid of that haven't happened. So it was one of those things that I thought they tucked that right at the very end it was the last i don't know what four little sentences or something yeah and i guess we were just so blinded by the support we had from the obama administration i mean gosh when when marriage equality became the the law of the land they bathed the the white house in in the rainbow colors and michelle obama for the first lady and her daughter snuck out to be with the crowds and watch it and celebrate so I think you talk about taking a swing from one way to the other. (laughs) It's just, I guess, uh, I just assumed maybe George Bush, George W. had at least acknowledged or made a statement about pride. I was surprised that it's Trump of all all (laughs) on the Republican side. I know, I know. So uh, thank you to our our, um, embassy staffs around the world who are flying below the radar and uh, risking a Category 1 insurrection by hoisting the Jolly Roger of pride. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the jolly roger <laughs> well, i just said a fancy word for a flag um so our next one which i teased at the start of unbuttoned is that uh, sir ian mckellen is uh putting his voice and his uh celebrity behind an organization out of the uk called pride in aging and uh, the mission is to work to end the inequalities faced by lesbian gay bisexual and trans elderlies this one I think is fun because, or at least I can see why it caught both our eyes and we're, we're talking about it. I, if I reference back to a comment I made a moment ago about Pose, you know, the show that we were just talking about and how many people got where we lost, we didn't lose them, they died um, in that period. Many of them were, were our, when we were younger, they would have been our elders, I guess, right? You know, men that might have been in their 50s, 60s or 70s maybe even 40s, frankly. Um, And so it's interesting to see this discussion pop up, which I like, because, um, you know, there are elderly gay individuals, and elderly can be anything from, I guess, what the classification here is 50 plus, right? Well, you've you've mentioned this a bunch of time on our, even on our our live show on Wednesdays, you've, you've often talked about people of our generation we didn't really have role models because we didn't see many elderly or aging um lgbt people 
right? You 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 talk about that a lot. That we didn't know, we hadn't seen the role models, nor did we know how um, what it was like because we hadn't seen people people age because um, we lost so many. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's that's a whole cultural thing. When we talk to some of our friends who are younger, like we have friends who just got engaged um, and they're both thirty. Um, to them, there's a continuum. They, they look at men and they're like, someone could be sexy and attractive at 50 or 60 or even older, I suppose, depending on where you're at. Um, we didn't really have that because as yeah, there was the whole HIV AIDS thing, which was just devastating. So it's really great to see, um, Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, uh, putting his voice behind this because he's one of our elder, you know, elder gay, I don't want to call him a statesman, right. but he's. He's pretty well recognized. I love his work in acting. And uh, I guess the equivalent here in the U.S. would be Sage. Is that right, Tim? Sage, probably, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, in that generation, the older, I'll say generation ahead of us and even ahead of that, you just didn't come out. I mean, even people in our generation, I still have friends that are very careful. I was always very careful um, in the workplace. Now, sometimes I, re I regret that, but um, it was just a different time. The, the one of my pet peeves with all of these sort of articles, though, and I don't know if you picked up on this too. I don't know why I'm, I'm become the uh, the content content police uh, <laughs> police today. But so the headline is LGBTI, and then in the story it's filled with LGBT, <laughs> and they go back and forth with LGBT. I wish the I wish the gay community or the LGBTQI two two yabba dabba do ABCD would come up with. A, a a moniker that we all agree what was right? it there so, one that we really liked i like the lgb and T. yeah that was and that, and that was a everything. british i think that was came out of a uk publication as well was it came out of manchester Man, yeah, yeah. lgb and t and and t and it's, it's almost like if you know there is like a strunk and white remember strunk and white all the the book we used to have it was all the 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 ways that you had to say things and do things and acronyms it's a yeah. writing thing like they should really come out with a standard i think there was a standard but no, I picked up on that too because I kept I I was like, wait, one one moment it's I, one moment it's not. But um, well, you and I were having dinner with a friend who's who's one of the old guard in the in the space that we've known forever, and he was confused because he saw something last week around Pride that was LGBTQI two. Yeah, I have no idea what that. And so he's like two, but and we're like that's two spirit for the Native Americans. But again. You shouldn't need a Captain Crunch decoder ring to figure it out. That's that's my yeah, thing. But to wrap up the uh, the Ian, Sir Ian McKellen piece, um, there's a quote, and it says, uh, "We know that LGBT people <laughs> over 50 are at a much higher risk of isolation and are under recognized in health and social care services, and may be facing discrimination due to their sexual orientation or gender identity." And this is a real issue. Um, for aging, for, yeah. for being in, in homes or care facilities. You know, there have been articles in the past about people going back in the closet just to get into a long-term care facility. So it's good that he's putting his very recognizable uh, celebrity behind something like this. And, and our last one I picked just because it's a business thing, really. And I just sometimes admire where people come up with ideas, right? So the headline is Home Flippers hire uber and lyft drivers to find edge in housing markets so you know for a while there hgtv was filled with flipping shows flipping vegas flipping this you know you'd go and you'd buy a cheap house somewhere maybe it's uh foreclosed or whatever 
you, you'd renovate it and then you get it off your balance sheet as soon as you humanly can and you, and you make money at it. Now, I guess people used to make 40, 50, 60% on a flip, but that number is decreasing as home ownership increases and mortgage rates are down. But this, uh, a guy in, in the, the DC area hires Lyft and Uber drivers to kind of scout locations that he might not know about, which I thought was clever. Yeah, I often wondered why they didn't use taxi drivers in the past. Yeah. But I thought the Lyft idea was good because if you find so, what uh, he has a criteria of what kind of houses he's looking for, and he figures these Lyft and Uber drivers are out and about. He said he hired 150 of them that he has out scouting locations. And essentially, if they see a property that fits his criteria, maybe they're, it looks like it's unkept or it's abandoned, but it's in a good neighborhood and there's an opportunity to buy it and make some money. He gives the address, and if uh, the investor, the Uber or Lyft driver, provides the address, and if the um, the flipper buys the house, they get a five hundred dollar uh, finder's fee. Which, um, if you're out and about anyway, why not pick up an extra few bucks? I think it's a great idea. And that's what was so cool about this article. They're in their cars anyway, and it's the time that they're they're not they're between fares, so they're waiting for the app to tell them someone's requested a ride in their area, and they're just kind of driving around. And, and, and the guy that does this, um, DiGiacomo, he said, the best deals are always the deals that we put our eyes on. And I can't put my eyes on every single deal. So Uber drivers are out there. They're looking at all kinds of different neighborhoods. And normally he would know about properties from auctions, which are now being very, very highly attended. So this is just an interesting, like, so it's one of those things. It's facts on the ground, right? We used to always talk about this in business. When you know your neighborhood, when you know your customers, when you know what's going on, you have a bit of an edge. So these guys give him the eyes and ears that he doesn't have in all neighborhoods. Yeah. I don't know if this is happening in New York, but I know in Philadelphia it is, and they're trying to crack down on it. But people are now using the Uber and Lyft drivers almost like UPS or FedEx. So if you have something to be delivered that in a day, you know, you want, instead of a messenger service, you call Uber or you call Lyft and you walk out, you give the guy the package and then somebody on the other end picks it up because they won't get out of the car and deliver it, but you can move things around and you just get charged for the ride. It's a heck of a lot cheaper, eight bucks to go across town versus 30 bucks for a messenger. You know, it's not a bad, uh, if you have, honest to God, if it has to be there, literally like a document going to a bank or a signature required in the old days, we used to hire messengers all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, say Bob was at work and you needed a piece of paper signed for something and he, he called up an Uber or Lyft driver and brought it up to your house. Yeah, exactly. Up up, up to the other end, other end of Manhattan. So it's uh, the new economy, John. It's the gig economy. Well, it's also look at how clever people are figuring out a service designed for yeah. one thing to use it for another. Very, very interesting. <laughs> hey, we mentioned at the top of the uh, unbuttoned broadcast today that uh, we're brought to you by Critics' Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987, and we want to thank you for not only subscribing and listening to the show every week, but also checking out Critics' Choice Video and 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 shopping there. You could get there by going to focusgroupradio.com. And just click on the Critics' Choice video logo. My recommendation, I just got mine last week, and I saw two things that I, I just smiled at. Request a catalog. They come, yeah, I, I want to say monthly, but it's sometimes every five weeks, whatever. You, and, and we like catalog because that it sounds old school, but it's nonlinear shopping. You could just open to anything and, hmm, well, I didn't know they had that on DVD or Blu-ray. So that's my recommendation is get a catalog. And there's a big summer sale going on. I think you get uh, 25% off 
an additional, you know, thing off orders over $50. So not a bad time to shop. Yeah, I, I saw there was, um, under the summer sale, there's something called American Nudes Volume 3. It's a DVD. And it's uh, under $17. But essentially, they took these old erotic films from the 60s and 70s and recovered them from destruction. I mean, they're essentially going to just disappear. And so if you're interested in film or or kind of the cultiness of film and erotica, they said that these this is a great throwback collection um, an experimentation for American film. It was the movies are from sixty to seventy nine. It's only eighty five minutes long. So I was curious about that because that's not something you're going to find anywhere. No, and um, and it's an important part of film in general in history because that category is responsible for tech changing technology. Even like you know, if, yeah. you know when that came out, then that stuff started coming out on VHS. That that made VHS the winner over the Betamax thing when it came out on DVD. Right then DVD was official. <laughs> so that's an, it, yeah. it's an American, I'm yeah. seeing it here, it's called Volume 3, right? Volume 3, American Nudes. But I just think it's one of those things where if you're a film film buff and or you have interest in, in film, it's uh, something that we, we somewhat ignore, but I think it's an important part of our culture. So take a look at it. So head over to focusgroupradio.com, click on the Critics' Choice video and start shop, or Critics' Choice uh, logo and start shopping away. They're America's movie and TV authority since 1987. We want to thank them for supporting us here on TFG Unbuttoned. And be sure to tune in on Wednesdays for the Focus Group live show, where John and I uh, spend even more time with you. So everyone have a great week and happy Pride. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com. 